Hello, everyone. This is Lindsay Sterling, and I'm happy to welcome you to another String Session podcast. This is episode number three with J.P. Sachs. Now, you know, I've done several interviews up to this point, but this is the first full interview that I'm doing with someone that I haven't previously met, you know, because I first interviewed Andy. I know him very well. Amy, I've toured with her extensively. And so I was actually really nervous for this interview, more so than the others, because I guess I have a confession. I get nervous for most things. I still get nervous before I step on stage every show. I get nervous on music video days. I get nervous for my own interviews. So, you know, I've just come to learn that nerves are a part of who I am. They're not going to go away and I just need to learn to deal with them. But with that being said, I was definitely nervous to meet someone on Zoom and then go right into leading an interview conversation with them. But I loved what we talk about today and I'm excited for you to join in the conversation with us. You know J.P. Sachs best from his most recent huge massive hit If the World Was Ending. I think you're going to be really interested to hear how this song was inspired because it was written well before the pandemic. Also I love that he is a romantic. He's a hopeless romantic just like me and he shares some really sweet sweet stories about his most recent romance with someone that you all probably know. Um, I don't want to spoil it so I'm gonna let him tell these stories. So let's bring on J.P. Sachs. Hi. Hey welcome welcome thanks for coming. Thanks for having me nice to meet you. Yes yeah, so nice to meet you too. Um, where are you at right now? Los Angeles. Oh nice. So you got Thank to stay kind of home. Got to stay kind of home. Thank you for delaying a couple minutes for me. We ordered some food delivery and it was delayed. And I knew that if I jumped on here and didn't wait for the food, I would be talking 15% slower with slightly less enthusiasm. It's a real thing. I know I actually just ate before this too. Cause I was like, do I wait or no? Then I'll be like anxious about my meal. So always good to prioritize the stomach. Yes, it, it really is. Everything else goes along with it. If I don't yes. treat my stomach well, my personality doesn't come along. <laughs> there you go. That's fair enough. Um, well, hey, I'm so glad that we get to chat. I love the song, by the way. I think it's it's such a beautiful anthem, and I really enjoyed getting to put some violin spin on it. So thanks for doing this with me. Yeah, and we loved having you be a part of the Doctors Without Borders video. That yeah. was so special, and I absolutely love what you played, and I think it just brought the whole thing to life. Well, speaking about that, I'm so curious about how that all came to be, and um, what was it that made you want to step forward and do such a huge philanthropic endeavor right now? Well, we were seeing a couple of our friends post covers of the songs already. I think, you know, the song was just kind of on people's mind, uh, given the circumstance. Um, by the way, for the record, we wrote the song last summer. Mm -hmm. We had no idea the connection wow. it was going to have to our current moment. Originally, it was inspired by the earthquakes in Los Angeles. But uh, yeah, so we were seeing some friends cover it, and we thought, you know, maybe that was an opportunity to bring some of our community together and use it as a way to raise money. Um, and we chose Doctors Without Borders because, you know, at the end of the video, uh, Crystal, who works with Doctors Without Borders, speaks about their projects overseas. Um, yeah. And her and I have been friend for almost, friends for almost a decade. Yeah. And we've always talked about, you know, collaborating on something together, and this just felt like a really natural way to do it. And and we just kind of reached out to our friends to to be a part of the video. Obviously, you got a lot of cool friends. <laughs> lucky that the community was just down. And thank you for saying yes. 
I know that um, we, we share William Williams in common. Oh, yes, really? I did not know that she was your gal. Yeah, she's, uh, oh. she's my mama bear. Oh my gosh, yes. I, so for everyone listening, Lillian Williams, um, she is both of our business manager. And yeah, it's so nice to have someone on a team that really feels like family. And she really is mama bear. Yeah, absolutely. So she was actually who I first asked. I was like, hey, like, do you think Lindsay would be down to be a part of this? And then she connected some of the dots for us. Oh my gosh, um, I love that. I, I'll have to call her. I didn't know that she connected that for us. So cool. She's going to be really happy that we're talking. Yes, she will. She loves her people so much. She doesn't work with anyone that she doesn't love. So automatically, I know that you're like a great person if you're working with Lillian. So. Aw, well, thanks. <laughs> I'm, I, I love being a part of her team. And so, we, so Julie and I, you know, we're just, we didn't really know what the video was going to turn out to be because we really just, we went wide. We just asked a bunch of people and we thought, you know, we'll yeah. find a way to put this together. And then it was the challenge of getting it to feel musical. Um, yeah. And we worked with Benjamin Rice, who was the vocal producer on the song originally, mm. to piece it all together. And honestly, having the violin arrangement in there was like, became the glue of, especially as it built near the end. Well, thank you. That was so, that's so nice of you. And it really is. You know, and it's funny, after I just filmed that little video for you, I immediately reached out to like my team and was like, I loved doing that. I actually really liked the way the violin sat in it. And so that's when I had this idea that we should do something more together with it, you know, selfishly. I just liked it and wanted to do it again. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm so excited that we get to lean into it and like, you know, yeah. make something even more out of it. And Totally. <laughs> well, I'm curious though, your first album came out two years ago, right? Well, my first, my first single came out three years ago. Mm -hmm. I've yet to put out an album. Oh, really? My yeah. first my first body of work was an EP that came out in February. This February? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, that is crazy. Like it's it must be so crazy to be kind of just catapulted into the spotlight like you've been, like to have your first EP come out in February and now to have one of the biggest songs, like an anthem if you will of this year. That's pretty crazy. So I guess I'm kind of curious, what have been some of your most like pinch me moments of the last year? Pinch me moments. Well, <laughs> it's, it's a strange time to like be in the middle of my first, you know, success of a song. So If the World Was Ending was the single on the EP. Yeah. Um, the EP came out, you know, before COVID. So the song was doing well before all of this happened. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was, it was getting some radio play and, you know, we got to play on Fallon, which was really exciting. Wow. How was that? Fallon was really special. It was, uh, it was my first, you know, late night show experience. Yeah. It was also the last, the last time my mom ever saw me perform. Uh, oh my gosh. She, she passed in January, but she got to come to New York for Fallon. So that was really special. And also, you know, it's hard to talk about the excitement of the song without also talking about what the last six months of my life has been. Yeah. Because it all kind of happened in a very, a very integrated way. It was, you know, my mom, she passed of cancer and sort of the last six months of her life, uh, as things got worse, was as this, you know, the song came out in October and started getting all of this recognition and attention. And it was like, she got to see the beginnings of the real proof that like, I was going to be okay. Like my career was going to, you know, I was going to get to do what I love. And it was really special for me that she got to see that. And, you know, wow. as much... Yeah. So Holy cow, talk about experiencing the highs with the lows to be going through that all at once. You know, and I actually was looking at your Instagram to kind of prepare for our discussion. And I got teary eyed when I saw your post about your mom. It was such a beautiful expression. 
that you you wrote. You're obviously very good with words, <laughs> but I, I loved how you talk. You know, and I personally, I lost my dad to cancer three years ago, so I I oh, know right. how hard it is to watch someone slowly experience something like that. What do you think was the biggest thing that that experience taught you, or maybe did it change you? I think it's still changing me daily kind of being in the in the process of it I, I've, I've yet to have like some sort of grand realization you know from it mm-hmm. uh and I, I if anything i think i'm just realizing that you know it's not like who i was changed the day my mom passed it it's right. you know i will the rest of my life you know i will i will have my mom in in the ways i remember her in in the ways i keep her with me and i you know I have my relationship with her still, even if it's the relationship with the memory of her. And what that means for who I am, I, I think will grow and change. I mean, honestly, like it's been, it's been a, a grounding, I don't know, the balance of it, like dealing with quarantine and dealing with COVID is far from the biggest shift in my life this year. And I yeah. think because, I think because of that, like it, it's made me recognize that what makes this unique isn't the amount it changes any one individual's life because like our lives change dramatically in this, in, in much, in much more intense ways all the time, whether it be from, you know, a loss or a physical accident or, you know, something happens where like everything is different. Mm-hmm. What makes this unique is, is that we're all going through it together. Right. I'm not exactly sure how to t- articulate it, but there's, it sounds weird to say, but there's almost been something kind of like cathartic in that. Yeah. have such a shared experience yeah and i think that it takes it from being something that is you know we're all in social isolation (laughs) but it takes it to be something that is actually extremely unifying even though we're all separate and i think that's how the song made me feel and it made so many people when that video was put out you see all these people coming together for a common cause you see it in art you see it in the world you see it through service you see it through our doctors and it it really is an amazing thing Yeah, yeah absolutely you know and i um i am curious I feel like everyone has their own idea of how an artist makes it, you know, this preconceived notion that people just get discovered by like writing a hit. And I think more and more and more so that is not the case. Everybody kind of has their own journey to success. Um, So I'm kind of curious, what was your road like? I moved to Los Angeles when I was 19. Wow. I grew up in Toronto. Mm -hmm. I was making music in Toronto, playing, you know, all my friends' bands. I'm a pianist, so I would like They'd play in my bands, I'd play in their bands. And when I first came to LA, I spent a year signed to a production company, made a bunch of music that they wanted to put out and I didn't. Uh Um, So after a year, decided that I was going to disband the the whole infrastructure of my career. I wasn't gonna put out any of the music and I was just gonna try and figure figure it out staying in LA. At the time I had people telling me that I should move back to Toronto or I should move to New York and try it there because it didn't really work in LA. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is seven years ago. I found songwriting for other people as a way to kind of keep myself hustling and going into sessions. Very randomly through my love of poetry, I made a friend in the poetry community who introduced me to a producer who was signed to Babyface and then ended up working under Babyface for a couple of years as a songwriter. Wow. Lots of twists and turns. And then it was three years ago when I, I was kind of quietly working on my own music Mm-hmm. Um, and started putting it out independently uh, and started taking a step away from writing for other people. And, you know, which again, people told me I was nuts because I had built this little career writing for other people. And how could I possibly give that up 
like how I've, I'd found this rare thing, this one career in music, yeah. and I was going to give it up because I wanted a different career in music. People thought that was bananas. Right. Um, what was it that uh, gave you the courage to do that? I mean, if, if I was already going to do this crazy thing, build a career as a musician, like why, why not go for the one I actually wanted? Ooh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, you've, I mean, I'm sure you know better than anyone because you've built such a specific career for yourself as a violin. Like, no one has a career like you do. Like, it's a path that kind of didn't exist until you built it. I can't imagine the courage it took to, to even see that out and then create it. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but I think that it just does take, regardless of, you know, I don't know, I just think it takes a lot of courage to step out of a lane that you're like, this is working. And then like, but it's, Oh, I'm so close. And a lot of people are okay with so close, but there's no shame in pivoting and going back. You know what I mean? And I think that sure. that's really great that you took the, took that chance to pivot knowing that, you know, you could always, there's, we have limitless chances to pivot and try different things. So yeah. why not take a chance on the one you actually want? So I love that. Um, yeah. And how did this come about that you were writing with Julia Michaels? Yeah. Um, well, I had put out a song called 25 in Barcelona a year and a half ago, I guess now. And she heard it and posted it on her Insta story. Um, and, around, and literally simultaneously when she posted the song, I was on a road trip with some friends having a conversation about how I thought she was the most influential songwriter of our generation. Stop. So it was crazy. I'm having this conversation and then I get the notification Julia Michaels has tagged you in a story. It was, That's insane. It was some cosmic. It was yeah. Some cosmic stuff. So we got talking on Instagram. Uh -huh. uh, and then set up a session and we wrote If the World Was Ending the Day We Met. <gasps> that was your first song you wrote together? Yeah, yeah, it was the first, it was the day we met, first song we ever wrote. That is crazy. So I have a question. I just would like to know what that session was like. Because I know sometimes I've had sessions that feel so natural and it's just like you're getting along with the person, you're laughing, or it's like just intense, it's all these intense emotions. You really feel good in the session. And I've had good and bad songs come out of those kind of sessions. And I've surprisingly sure. had good and bad songs come out of uncomfortable sessions too, where you're like, this isn't going well. It's kind of stiff, kind of awkward, you know, but yeah. sometimes good can come out of that too and bad. So what totally. kind of a session was that? You just met her and then you wrote this very intense emotional song. Yeah, so I, I was nervous about the session because I admire her so much as a writer. So I wanted to come in with something I liked. And I had, if the world was ending, you'd come over, right, written in my journal from a while back. Mm -hmm. um, and I had tried to fit it into other songs. I don't know if you do this, but sometimes like, I'll have a section I really love and I'll write another section for that song and right. it won't fit, but I still like the other section. So then that other section begin becomes the beginning of the next song. Yeah. And it's kind well, of like each next song like comes about in the failed attempts to finish the previous ones. So right. <laughs> if the world was ending, you'd come over, right? was a failed attempt at a chorus for another song. Mm. And I just had it sitting for a long time. So the earthquakes reminded me of the line. That was like a week and a half before the session. And I, I went in my journal and I wrote save for Julia. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so we got in the room and I mean, honestly, we hit it off right away. Mm -hmm. I think we both have such similar philosophies about songwriting that you know, we, we just we just talked about what that meant. We talked about our lives. We talked about the people we would be thinking about in that kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when it first happened, like we sat at the piano and I sang, you know, if the world was ending, you'd come over, right? And she just goes straight into, you'd come over and you'd stay tonight. Would you love me for the hell of it? Those next two lines. And I looked at her like, what kind of magic is this? 
Wow. Yeah, That's wrote, amazing when it just feels natural. And it's like, it, it almost feels like a conversation when you listen to the song and to hear that it just kind of came about as a musical conversation. That's, that's what makes the greatest songs, I think. They're honest and they're simple. A hundred percent. I mean, it was one of the most magical days of my life. I'll wow. give you a little bit more context because we talked about it earlier. But I got back from, I got back to Los Angeles the day before the session. The session, I think, was on a Saturday. I got back on Friday. And it was on Thursday in Toronto that I found out I got my mom's, the, we heard the news about my mom. Oh, we were like at the doctor's office. We heard the news about my mom. Come back to Los Angeles the next day. The following day, I have this session with Julia. We write a song that would change my life. I don't know if you know this part of the story, but we also fell in love, Julia and I. Oh, I, I had heard that, that you guys are, you're dating now, right? Yeah, it's been oh, 10 months now. Oh my gosh, well, congratulations. So many things came out of that moment. Holy cow. Yeah, so we, we went on our first date the next day after that session. Wow. <laughs> Which I've never, trust me, like I grew up in a songwriting world where my mentors made it very clear that the lines between your creative and your personal connections had to be extremely, extremely clear. Like right. I would never <laughs> go there in a session. Truly, I wouldn't even, I would Absolutely never. Yeah. But um, there no, was something there was something unavoidable about that first session with Julia. You know, I love so many things about what you just have expressed. I love that first of all, I love that the the line that made that song happen was from a failed attempt at another song. I think mm -hmm. that that in itself is like an amazing metaphor for life. Like totally. our are never truly failures. They're, they're opportunities to pick yourself up and move forward with what you learned from the failure. And so I just think that's yeah. amazing. Secondly, that I was, that would have been hard to walk into a session writing when you had literally just had probably the worst news you've ever heard in your life. Yeah. And then to, to go into a session and try to be like present and like, you know, so that coming off the heels of something like that and turning those emotions into something that has now given so many people love and hope. Yeah. You know, it's like in so many ways you took a lot of things that were hard and you turned them into something beautiful. And I think that's probably what makes this song so special for millions of people. So, um, and then of course, like, how cool is that that you guys fell in love when writing a song like this? Oh, I love it. Beautiful. It's, it's pretty cool. It was a, it was a, yeah, a wild few days. Yeah. Song that changed your life. Wow. Crazy. Um, <laughs> I love that. And that's, that's a very rare story. Cause like you said, usually there is a pretty solid line between like the two worlds, personal and business. Totally. So and and I love that song so much and it absolutely did change my life. And it's not the best thing that happened to me that day. Oh, okay. So you're such a romantic. Um, like yeah. I can feel it in your lyrics. You're such a good lyricist, but there's such romanticized lyrics. So our, um, it was funny, my roommate, she's very into lyrics and she's been talking about you for a long time, even before, if the world was oh. ending, she's told me like, cool. oh, I got with this guy. So I'm curious, what is your biggest message that you try to share with the world through your art? Uh, I'm just, I'm just trying to be sincere. That's, that's kind of at the forefront of everything I write. It all comes from journals. I always journal first. I find if I sit down to just write the song, it doesn't feel as, it doesn't feel as real as if I write with no intention of ever doing anything with it and then come back yeah. to those journals and figure out what's going to work. And then I don't usually have like a specific message I want to share. It's more, it's more so just trying to get to the heart of, of what an emotion felt like. 
because like, I really think the only, the only experience I have an authority to write on is my own. Uh, and if I can really make the song feel like what that part of my life felt like, then I have to trust that my human experience is going to resemble someone else's. Yeah, no, that's so true. So you just like to share honesty and you like to tap in. Is it that you also like to help people kind of understand their own emotions sometimes maybe? Totally. I, and I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you relate to this in your own way. Like I feel, I feel like what is unique about, about what we do as artists isn't that we have a different emotional experience than anyone else. We just have um, a skill set to articulate that emotional experience. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes I feel like I, I like it's it's my job, but in a good way to mm-hmm. get to the you know get to the heart of what I'm feeling and to understand it and to put it in these songs in a way that allows other people to you know access that emotion in themselves. Yeah, that's that's a really good way of putting it. Um, do you like rom coms? Love rom coms. You do. Do you have a favorite? Oh. Oh my gosh, I have so many favorites. I love Runaway Bride. I love The Notebook. Wait, what's your favorite? The Notebook is a definite classic. So good, yeah. I saw My Best Friend's Wedding for the first time. So good. A couple of days ago. And it was so funny because I was, I, was, I was watching with Julia and I was on the edge of my seat telling her like, if they, if they get together at the end of this movie, I'm going to hate this movie. If Julia <laughs> Roberts gets the guy, I'm going to hate this movie. But if she doesn't get the guy, I'm gonna love this movie. Yeah. Because I didn't know. Because I. We won't really spoil the ending for you guys. <laughs> yes, we won't spoil the ending. We actually got in a big, fu- big fight. We got in a, a um, we got in a lighthearted but right. meaningful fight over when Harry met Sally. Oh, what are your thoughts on that? Great movie, bad representation of loving relationships. <laughs> I I agree with that because I, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's a classic, but you're like, yeah, that's not quite fair. <laughs> yeah, like this is hilarious and I'm and I'm charmed, but I believe none of this. This is not yeah. how male female relationships go and I hope no one actually believes this. Right. I'm not going to take this into my dating practice life. Okay, we're good. We're good. I can enjoy yeah. it with popcorn, but that's about it. Yes. Yes. I Entertaining love- movie irresponsible messaging. <laughs> that's so funny that you um cuz I don't know, a lot of times I just like blindly watch these and don't think much about it. I love that you're like dissecting it as you're watching it like if this happens, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Um so what has been so you're Julia through the quarantine, what has been maybe the highlight of your quarantine experience? Highlight of my quarantine experience. I've watched an abundance of Jeopardy. Really? Do you feel like you're getting yeah. smarter? <laughs> A little bit. I like Jeopardy because I feel like I'm both both like wasting away my mind in like mindlessly watching television, but I'm also learning things, so it feels like it's allowed. Yeah. But that I wouldn't call that the highlight. Gosh, what's the highlight? Um, I mean, at the risk of sounding even more like a hopeless, sappy romantic, like it has just been getting all this time to be with Julia and to, you know, lean into being in love. Because I mean, I'm sure as you can relate, like, you know, I was supposed to be touring this entire time. Yeah. Totally. You know, I haven't been home for this amount of time in years. Right. It's I a mean, strange thing. It you, makes you, you tour a lot, right? I do. I tour quite a bit. We actually landed in South America to start our South American tour the day that the U.S. closed its, was like closing its borders. So we immediately flew back. <laughs> we didn't even leave the wow. airport. But um, so, yeah, it, it is a strange thing to be like, oh, I was supposed to be on tour. Like, is this time a curse or a blessing? Maybe sure. a little bit of both, you know, and enjoying the blessing and realizing, well, I'll get to tour again. But it's it's interesting. And um, have you toured a lot? 
for the last like for the last like two years, yes, just mm -hmm. on support tours. I've just been opening yeah. for different people. You know, if the world was ending came out while I was on my last North American tour, but I was opening for Noah Khan. And then I was at the beginning of the year opening for Len and Stella in Europe. Gotcha. Um, but you know, my audience in, in my career has certainly changed dramatically yeah. over the last You're six You're definitely months. going to be doing your own tour, I'm sure, after all of this. <laughs> yeah. So my first headline tour is supposed to be right now. Oh, um, no. It's still going to happen, and it's, it's going to be happen. bigger when it does. And honestly, when you say you were about to tour South America, like, that's my dream. <gasps> really? South, cannot... South America? My mom spent 15 years living in Peru, and I've been there a couple times, and... I just, I've always wanted to spend more time traveling in South America. I wanted to go back to Peru as an adult. Yeah. Um, I, did, I did a version of If the World Was Ending with an artist named Evaluna Montaner, who is um, a phenomenal Latin artist, and she sings the second verse in Spanish. Oh, wow. Uh, and so it definitely expanded the audience of the song to, to more fans out there, and I just, I'm so excited to go do shows for them. Oh, my gosh. Well, you will for sure. The best audiences in the world are like, they're so passionate. And so like, oh, I love the culture of South America and Mexico and some of my favorite places. So yeah, so you've been opening up for people for the last like two years. That can be in an intimidating spot to be in. It can also be like such a great spot because you get to like glean all these new fans by, but you have to kind of win them over. Like, how is that experience opening up for someone? Um, well, luckily, I, I haven't opened for any assholes. Um, they've all been like really genuine, supportive people. Mm -hmm. um, you definitely hear horror stories of openers getting just like brutally disrespected by yeah. headliners. Have you ever had an experience like that? I've been lucky as well. I've never, but I've I've heard that happen to. I've heard so many people share that story, and that would be so hard. I mean, it's hard enough to open as it is. Yeah. Without that, you know. So I've, I've only had good experiences and, you know, I liked the challenge of going up in front of an audience. And when I, when I do it, I, I play by myself. So I'm just up there with my piano and my guitar bouncing back and forth. And wow. I'm very talkative on stage. I just ramble on about whatever I'm, whatever I have in mind. And it's an, it's a fun way to like play for a crowd who, who doesn't know anything about you. And right. it's kind of like, it's, it's a different feeling. It's like an introduction rather than like a conversation that someone is arriving at willingly. <laughs> Right, you're at the begin. You have the chance to start a relationship. It's basically like a first date with it's, your audience. It's like a first know? date in a bunch of cities every night. It's like a new first date every night. It's exactly yeah. that. It's a totally different mindset than walking out there knowing that everybody planned to see you that night. It's like, oh, we're this, I get to win them over, and it's kind of exciting. Yeah. Props to you because that's hard. It's it's hard and exhausting, and the fact that you speak of it so like lovingly means that it went really well for you. So I'm so glad. <laughs> I want to ask you a question, and I'm sorry if this is like an ignorant one or one that you get asked all the time, but as a violinist, like, did you start in classical music? I did. Yeah, I played classical violin since I was six until I was like went to college. And so I've definitely got the classical. Like, Where'd you go to college? Um, I went to BYU in Utah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, did you study music in college? I didn't go to college, um, but oh, my grandfather. I, <laughs> I skipped it. Nice. Um, my my grandfather was a classical cellist. Really? Um, yeah, he was the first cellist of the Chicago Symphony for a while. Um, oh gosh, it's amazing. Yeah, toured all over the world as as a soloist. I tell um, you, become a professional classical musician, you gotta have like flawless skills. Like, oh my gosh, I, I have so much respect for 
true classical musicians, you know? Me too. I, I mean, I admired him endlessly, but it was, it was intimidating um, to have him as a musical reference. It's honestly why I didn't go into classical music. Oh, interesting, yeah. Because there was, I felt like I, I had a little bit more of a freedom to have my own voice in, you know, first in jazz and then moving into pop. Because like in classical, because, you know, he built, his name was Janos Starker, and he, he mm -hmm. built a career for himself in classical music that a lot of people recognized that whenever I was yeah. like in classical music circles, like that was the, that was the shadow. Yeah. Um, so learning from his philosophies, but not necessarily following in his exact musical footsteps was, was the move for me. But I, I really admire the way that coming out of classical music, you have, you have brought such an audience to the violin and expanded in so many ways, you know, how that can be built musically. And, and I say that like seeing some of the limitations of, you know, what building a career in classical music looked like. Right, right. Well, thank you so much. I yeah, appreciate you're welcome. that. <laughs> I mean it. I, I genuinely mean it. Yeah, it's, it's such a cool time because... I feel like with the internet and YouTube and all the streaming stuff, it does make it possible for really left of center things to find a home, you know? And um, yeah. so I'm very, I'm very grateful for that. Cause I think if I had come around five years earlier, it just wouldn't have been possible, you know? So I, I feel very grateful yeah. Everything's about timing. It's about trying different things. And um, so, yeah, I'm very, I feel very lucky in that. Um, but uh, I'm curious, you obviously toured a lot. So what is uh, your favorite part of touring aside from the stage? Aside um, from fans, like just the lifestyle of touring, what's your favorite part of it? So I think if I wasn't in music, I would be finding some excuse to travel the world. It's just my favorite thing. Yeah. Um, so when we're in North America, it's finding the like oldest diner in every city. Really? Like, yeah, just like That's rusty. Fun. Like, yeah, greasy spoon oldest diner every place. It's very hard to find. We realized we couldn't do that in Europe, but I mean, as hard as, as it is to like keep your energy levels up because touring is exhausting. Like yeah. we really in every place tried to dedicate a few hours to, you know, being tourists, to just wow. wandering around. Even like, every, every city on show days too? We would try, it, even if it was wow. just for a couple hours, just to like walk around yeah. a market or something, just to, uh, you know, for our own sanities, just to actually feel like we were seeing places because yeah. I don't know how long we're going to be able to keep this up, especially because keep in mind, my crew is two people when I'm opening. Yeah. So it's just me and one of my best friends who's a photographer who travels with me. Oh, fun. And it's an excuse to make things, you know, just go to different parts of different parts of cities, try and learn something. I would like put out calls on Twitter to ask fans like in each city, like where I should be exploring. Yeah. Make more videos out of it. I hope I'm going to be able to keep that up, even with, if it's like, you know, multiple buses and huge tours with lots of people. I still, I want to, I want to, maybe I'm being an idealist, but I want to at least try to explore as much as I can. I think that that's, that's a very possible choice if you make it, you know what I mean? And I, I don't think you'll ever regret having that be a priority. I will say I, I don't do it as much as I wish I did. I've seen a lot of the world venue by venue. You know what I yeah, mean? Totally. So I, I'm very big into days off. I'm going out, don't care. Like I have to go out on days off, but on show days, a lot of times I just either don't have the energy or I get busy. I busy work myself with other things, but you will really never regret that because it's something I'm trying to make a habit of more now. So I think that's, I think that's awesome. And you can keep it up. I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's great. As, as I'm saying it, I feel like I'm just being like a naive young artist and like, like what, 10 years from now, I'm going to be like, yeah, you want a nap. You just want a nap. 
It's true. That's kind of a lot of times where I find myself <laughs> sleeping in today. Yes. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, you know, I, I do think it's possible. I've, we've done it sometimes. Um, yeah. So let's see. I have, I have a very interesting question for you for, I think this is my last question for you. Again, thanks so much for chilling here today with me. Yeah, my but, pleasure. You know, you seem like such a genuine, nice person. And I've heard that about you. And then also, you know, my, my friend Lillian. So, uh, it's a, it, I mean, my hope is that I will always remember why I love doing this, mm -hmm. um, which is I love music more than anything. I'm incredibly grateful for the way music allows me to connect to myself. Mm -hmm. um, songs were the first place I ever learned anything about myself. You know, I'm an only child. I grew up in the country. I didn't necessarily feel like I... I I wasn't part of like the in crowd in school or anything like that. I was always like a little bit of an outsider. And it was sitting at the piano and writing that I ever like recognized the idea of having a relationship with yourself. Wow. And to this day, songs are still the place where I feel the most connected to myself. Mm -hmm. And the amazing thing about that is I've learned that that thing that where I built my relationship with myself is now becoming the way I'm building a relationship with people around the world and how I'm connecting with people around the world. And it's been really incredible to see. And, and the fact that If the World Was Ending is exactly the kind of music I wanna make. You know, mm -hmm. that isn't outside of, you know, the kind of songs I'm, I'm wanting to be making. And, you know, the next songs that are coming out, they're different emotions, but they're still same, same voice. And I, I also think that's important as any artist, like you can't just be one feeling because it's not, right. that's, that's not a human experience. Mm -hmm. so, so to answer your question, how am I gonna keep myself from, you know, becoming a, a jerk if I if I continue to be successful in music. Uh, I, I hope it's just remembering why I love this and, and remembering why I do that and, and you know still cherishing the messages from fans that tell me that the song brought them closer to themselves in some way or yeah. and I think as, as long as I can stay there and, and remember that part of it <laughs> I, I, I won't change too much. Yeah. Also not to be too rambly but uh, there's this book I read a few years ago that talks about um, not fantasizing about your your goals, fantasizing about the problems that go along with your dream life. Ooh. So like, don't fantasize about winning the Grammy because winning the Grammy will last 30 minutes. Fantasize about the problem that goes along with that life. So, you know, mm -hmm. for me, it was like, for, for me, one of the problems that I could fantasize going, about, going along with my dream life would be how do I keep myself from becoming a, a total jerk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if a lot of people are listening to my music. Yeah. Like, hopefully I have friends, enough friends around me. That would have been a simple answer to this, like keeping my very close-knit group of friends around me so they'll slap me if I'm, ever, if I'm ever out of character. You know what? That's super important, I feel. I think that's a great answer, but I also loved like hearing you kind of talk about it and like think about what was it that got you to this place and like, well, then that if I can focus on what brought me here and the journey of bringing me here and why, like all of those things, then no matter what happens, like if you know your why and how, then totally. like what happens in the future, like your core, that'll be your foundation of it. And I think that that's a very true point um, to always bring you back to the place you are now because that's what brought you here. So I think both of those are really, really good points. And um, yeah, I love that. So, Do you have a go-to approach? Any suggestions? Hmm, suggestions. Well, I mean, I had a moment, like a very specific moment that I remember when I saw this moment of, oh my gosh, I think my life just changed. And I 
and it scared me in a way because I was like, I don't want to change who I am. I don't ever want to lose myself in all of this because I had seen it happen to other people. And I remember I'm a very faith oriented person. And so I actually like knelt down in that moment and I made a promise to God that I would do my best to like, just always put, you know, him first. But for me, putting God first means being a good person, you know? So whatever that means to like any different person, I just made this commitment to myself and to God that I was going to, you know, put people first and try to like maintain that. And then in turn, I was like, take me wherever you want. I will be true to this, like who I am right now. And so it was just a very specific moment and a decision and I'm far from perfect, but I go back to that. Um, often and try to like use that as my compass of the girl I was in that moment. Am I still maintaining that promise that she made? And if I can honestly say yes, then I'm good. And sometimes I'm like, I think I was a little off in that situation Mm. just happened. And I need to like reevaluate like how I do that next time. So I don't know. I think it's just that constant reevaluation. And I think like you said, the best way that that happens is by keeping people around you that are going to be honest with you. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. But uh, thank you so much for your time. Um, I can't wait. Thank for you for even to- wanting to do this. I was so flattered when I <laughs> absolutely. When you I, I appreciate it, and I can't wait to make this together. Yes, it's gonna be so fun. And um, happy quarantine. Enjoy <laughs> the you, rest of your you. time with Julia, and um, stay safe. Have a beautiful day. Bye. You too. Bye. Ooh. Okay, well, if you're like me, then no worries. There's no shame in shedding a tear or two over hearing someone share such an epic story of loss and love. I hope you enjoyed it. And now I hope you enjoy our rendition of the song by JP and Julia, If the World Was Ending. I was distracted. And in traffic, I didn't feel it when the earthquake happened But it really got me thinking, were you out drinking? Were you in the living room, chilling, watching television? It's been a year now, I think I figured out how How to let you go and let communication die out I know, you know, you know, you were down for forever and it's fine I know, you know, you know, you were made for each other Fine. But if the world was ending, you'd come over, right? You'd come over and you'd stay the night Would you love me for the hell of it? All our fears would be irrelevant If the world was ending, you'd come over, right? Sky'd be falling and I'd hold it tight And there wouldn't be a reason why We would even have to say goodbye if the world was ending, you'd come over, right? Right? If the world was ending, you'd come over, right? Right? I tried to imagine your reaction It didn't scare me when the earthquake happened But it really got me thinking The night we went drinking Stumbled in the house and didn't make it past the kitchen I hit spinning and now Think I figured out how How to think about you without it ripping my heart out And I know you know we know You're down for forever and that's fine I know you know we know we But if the world was ending, you come over, right? You come over and you stay the night Would you love me for the hell of it? All our fears would be irrelevant If the world was ending, you come over, right? 
Scared be falling while I hold you tight And there wouldn't be a reason why We would even have to say goodbye If the world's ending, you come over right You come over right You come over, you come over, you come over right Was ending, you come over, right? You come over and you stay the night. Would you love me for the hell of it? All our fears would be irrelevant if the world was ending. You come over, right? Scared me falling while I hold you tight, and there wouldn't be a reason why we would even have to say goodbye if the world was ending. You come over, right? You come over, you come over, you come over right If the world was ending, you come over right